0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to the Cree Incorporated Investor Update Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker presentation, there will be a question-and-answer session. To ask a question during this session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star then zero. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Tyler Gronbach, Vice President of Investor Relations. Please go ahead, sir.
1: Thank you, Sonja. Thank you, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to Cree's conference call to discuss our agreement to sell the Cree LED business, to smart global holdings. Today, Cree CEO Greg Lowe and CFO Neil Reynolds will discuss the strategic rationale and financial details of the transaction, the company's transformation, and an updated long-term financial outlook. Before we get started... Please note that as part of this morning's call, we will be referencing a presentation that is available on the Investor Relations section of our website at investor.cree.com. Please note that we will be making non-GAAP financial measures during today's call, which is consistent with how management measures Cree's results internally. Non-GAAP information is not in accordance with GAAP and may not be comparable to non-GAAP information provided by other companies. Non-GAAP information should be considered a supplement to and not a substitute for financial statements prepared in accordance with GAAP. A reconciliation to the most directly comparable GAAP measures is included in the appendix of the presentation posted in the Investor Relations section of our website, along with historical pro forma financials. Today's discussion includes forward-looking statements about our business outlook, and we may make other forward-looking statements during the call. Such forward-looking statements are subject to numerous risks and uncertainties. Our press release today and the SEC filings noted in the release mention important factors that could cause actual results to differ materially, including risks related to the spread and impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. During the Q&A session, we would ask that you limit yourself to one question so that we can accommodate as many questions as possible during today's call. If you have additional questions, please feel free to contact us after the call. We would like to also note that we will limit our comments to a discussion of the information included in our press release and our prepared remarks. We will not be able to answer any questions that would involve providing additional financial information about the quarter or the transaction beyond the comments made in the prepared remarks. And now I'd like to turn the call over to Greg.
2: Thanks, Tyler, and good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. I'm pleased to be here to discuss this morning's agreement to sell the Cree LED business to Smart Global Holdings. For those of you who have followed Cree over the past few years, you're aware we've taken many important steps to position the company for long-term growth and create a global semiconductor powerhouse focused on silicon carbide and gallium nitride. As highlighted on slide four, Divesting Cree's LED business represents a major milestone in our transformational journey and sharpens our focus exclusively on our innovative wool speed business as we continue to lead the industry transition from silicon to silicon carbide. Importantly, this divestiture uniquely positions us as a pure play semiconductor company with a strong financial profile as we continue to grow our position in silicon carbide materials, as well as our RF and power devices. We will be better positioned to execute on the substantial opportunities we have ahead, including our growing $10 billion device pipeline that spans a number of high growth end markets. Divesting LED will allow for more targeted R&D and sales and marketing investments, driving a more focused effort as we execute our silicon carbide capacity expansion plans to to support our future growth. This includes the construction of our Mohawk Valley Fab in New York and the expansion of our materials factory in Durham, North Carolina, the combination of which will establish a silicon carbide carbide corridor on the East Coast. We believe we are at the forefront of a multi-decade growth opportunity And today's announcement sets the stage for the next exciting chapter of our company transformation. Lastly, before moving on to an overview of the transaction, I'd like to thank all of Cree's LED's employees for the hard work and dedication in creating market-leading businesses, which is poised for continued success. Turning to slide five, we have found the right partner for our LED business in SMART, a lean specialty solutions provider in the electronics industry. SMART has demonstrated a track record of successfully acquiring and integrating similar businesses, which, combined with the diverse customer base and global operations, gives us confidence that Cree LED will be well-positioned to continue to provide industry-leading products. The total consideration of approximately $300 million includes upfront and various forms of deferred consideration. CREE will receive an additional cash payment of $50 million and $125 million to be paid upon maturity of a seller note in August 2023. In addition, we will have the potential to earn up to $125 million based on revenue and gross margin performance of the LED business in the first full four quarters post-close. The transaction is subject to customary closing conditions, including regulatory approvals. We believe we will achieve all approvals necessary to close the transaction and are targeting to close in the first quarter of calendar 2021. Moving on to slide six, I'd like to provide a brief overview of our Wolf Speed Strategy which will fuel our growth moving forward. As you may know, our wool speed business is made up of three divisions, materials, our wafer business, and RF and power, our device businesses. Beginning with materials, we have a global market leading position in silicon carbide wafers, which is grounded in 30 plus years of intellectual property and expertise. Importantly, This business is supported by a number of long-term supply agreements with our customers, which currently are worth over $1 billion. These agreements fortify our business and provide a solid view into our future revenue for materials. Moving on to our RF and power device businesses, we are fueling a number of high growth and markets, including automotive, communications, industrials, and energy. As we've mentioned before, We've built a very large device opportunity pipeline, which our sales team is actively pursuing across these end markets. Following the divestiture of our LED business, the pipeline will remain well above $10 billion for Wolfspeed alone, and we're excited by the great progress we've made so far. As you may recall, in fiscal Q3, we secured approximately $400 million of worth of design and awards company-wide, and sub- subsequently in Q4, we announced another $600 million of awards for the entire company. For fiscal Q1, we expect the Wolfspeed design and awards alone to be more than our company-wide performance in the prior quarter. In RF, we are well-positioned to capitalize on secular growth trends, 5G in particular, represents a significant global opportunities as our customers seek to leverage our superior technology to drive higher frequencies and higher efficiency output for their infrastructure products. In power devices, the shift to electric vehicles represents one of our most exciting opportunities, with the automotive industry making up roughly half of our device pipeline. There are a number of applications for silicon carbide and electric vehicles, and OEMs and tier one suppliers alike look to us as a valued partner who will bring advanced technology to their future fleets. Beyond these key RF and power end equipments, the applications for silicon carbide are broad across a number of other industries, including industrials, energy, aerospace, and defense. Our partnership with aeroelectronics is key to penetrating many of these opportunities, and we have identified approximately $2 billion of silicon carbide opportunities for Wolfspeed, thanks to Arrow's large and extensive sales footprint. Through the divestiture of our LED business, we will be even better positioned to enhance our leadership position as we power the next generation of semiconductor technology. I'll now turn it over to Neil, who will provide you with an updated long-term outlook for our business.
3: Neil? Thank you, Greg, and good morning, everyone. We are very excited to have signed a definitive agreement to sell the Cree LED business to Smart and believe this transaction will accelerate our ability to create long-term value. I would like to begin with an update to our long-term financial target model that we first introduced at our Investor Day in November 2019.
1: This updated model
3: now excludes LED and highlights a high-growth, high-margin business capable of significant cash generation. Following the divestiture of LED, our target revenue reaches $1.5 billion by fiscal 2024, supported by our wool speed business, growing at a CAGR of at least 30%, assuming a battery electric vehicle adoption rate of approximately 5% and a continued rollout of 5G networks. This revenue growth rate is expected to continue to accelerate beyond fiscal 2024. We expect long-term Full-speed non-GAAP gross margin of approximately 50 to 54%, driven by continued materials cost downs and the significant efficiencies we will achieve with our Mohawk Valley fab, which I will elaborate on shortly. This range excludes two to three percentage points of impact from corporate items. From the OpEx standpoint, we are continuing to scale our R&D and sales and marketing investments to support our long-term growth initiatives and we expect OPEX to represent approximately 25% of revenue by fiscal 2024. Our expectations for EBIT and free cash flow are at approximately 25% and 20% of revenue, respectively. As a reminder, our long-term financial model is underpinned by the following key factors. First, the successful completion of our capacity expansion efforts in Mohawk Valley and Durham, our ability to compete and win additional business from device and material customers, and continued progress on reducing wafer costs and improving yields, as well as a judged-out opportunity in China due to ongoing geopolitical uncertainty and trade concerns. We expect China to represent less than 10% of total revenue in fiscal 2024. Moving to slide eight, let's take a closer look at the phases of growth for Wall Street. In this first phase, we are transforming the company, requiring a significant investment in CapEx to expand capacity, and OPEX to scale both sales and marketing and R&D to support long-term growth, while at the same time securing material agreements and winning our fair share of the $10 billion device opportunity pipeline. Beginning in 2022 and into 2023, the trajectory starts to change, representing some of the major announcements we have discussed since our investor day in November of last year. Our device revenue starts to pick up as automotive customers introduce new EV models, Mobile providers look to expand their 5G networks and other industrial applications come to market. This momentum continues into fiscal 2024, where we expect to generate approximately 1.5 billion of revenue and gross margins in the low 50s. Overall, this divestiture further enhances our already solid financial position. As shown on slide nine, we have a strong and healthy balance sheet with greater than $1 billion in liquidity to support our growth strategy. As we've previously noted, we expect fiscal 2021 to be our peak investment year with approximately $400 million in capital expenditures, mainly to fund the construction of our Mohawk Valley fab and the expansion of our Durham materials factory. Although subject to variability regarding both the build schedule and the timing of reimbursements we've received from the state of New York, our increased capex spend reflects our slightly steeper ramp from customers and keeps us on track for ramp production at Mohawk Valley in calendar year 2022. To deliver on our customer commitments. Approximately 10 to 15 million of cost per quarter will convey to smart after the transaction closes. We are planning for a modest increase in OpEx throughout 2021 to support additional full speed R&D activities and sales and marketing spend to support our long term growth outlook. With that, I will now turn the discussion back to Greg for some closing remarks.
2: Thanks, Neil. In summary, today's announcement underscores the tremendous progress we've made executing our transformational strategy. Following the LED divestiture, we'll emerge as a pure-play semiconductor powerhouse that is well-positioned to continue to lead the industry transformation from silicon to silicon carbide. We firmly believe this this transaction benefits all parties involved, supports our long-term strategic goals, and will allow us to deliver Long-term value for our shareholders. With that, I'll turn it back over to the operator, and we'll begin our Q&A session.
0: <clears throat> thank, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. If you would like to ask a question, please press star then one on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. Our first question comes from De- Jed Dorshire of Panacore Genuity. The line is now open.
4: Hi, thanks and, uh, congratulations. I guess, uh, a little bit nostalgic seeing this, uh, this business go, uh, remembering it, uh, getting involved with it 20 years ago. Um, Greg, just, uh, first question, or, sorry, uh, you know, question and, and, uh, uh with two parts, I guess. So, if I look at the, um, your financials, it looks like you're taking, even with the corporate impact, um, it looks like you're taking the delta of 3% um, in terms of the increased off and there seems to be at least 1% to 2% of conservatism with respect to the EBIT that's not dropping down. Um, and then as a related uh, component, if I think about the backlog in the business, I was wondering if you could update on any uh, change. I know you mentioned this briefly, but uh, change in terms of how that's broken down, um, specific to, uh, 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 to wolf speed and 5G. Thanks.
2: Okay. So maybe I'll take the second question, and Neil, you can pick up on the first. So in terms of our pipeline opportunity, um, I mentioned on the call that our post-this divestiture, um, the opportunity pipeline for... Uh, Woolspeed was going to remain above $10 billion. Recall last quarter we said it was, it was above $10 billion. It will remain above $10 billion for Woolspeed post the divestiture. Um, the second thing that I think is really important to, uh, to kind of reiterate is we, we two quarters ago or at the end of at Q3, we had, um, announced that we had won $400 million worth of design ins at the company level in, q four we increase that to six hundred million at the company level in q one that we just uh, wrapped up we have over we've actually beaten that six hundred million dollars for just full speed alone so I think in terms of the backlog and the potential and the opportunity it's pretty substantial um, and we're also you know knocking knocking in some wins here at a, at a pretty nice click the the, the largest um, Growth that we're seeing in terms of those, both the the opportunity pipeline and the design ends, really is in the electrification of the of the vehicle. We are having um, some good uh, 5G wins as well, but it, it really our pipeline is um, has a strong component of automotive in there. Um, I was just visiting with some some OEMs here uh, this week. And, uh, you know, the move to silicon carbide continues, um, kind of unabated from that perspective. Now, Neil, if you want to, if you want to hit the, uh, hit the, uh, financial question.
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And Jed, I think you were referring to the, uh, you know, to the long-term model. And what I'd say there is there's really no change to the Wolsey long-term model that we had previously uh, discussed. So if you look at the $1.5 billion of revenue, that's 50 to 54 percent. Uh, gross margin. As you mentioned, there's some corporate items in there, so you take the f- midpoint of 50 to 54, you get to 52. Take off two points for corporate items, you get to a uh, kind of a midpoint there, about 50% for the company, and then 25% OPEX and 25% EBIT. So that's the long-term model, and, and that's now adjusted for what we think the uh, OPEX investment levels are required for, you know, full speed on a, on a standalone basis.
4: Great. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jess. Thanks,
1: Jeff.
0: Thank you. And our next question comes from Edward Snyder of Charter Equity Research. Why is that open?
2: Hi, this is Jack Eganon for Ed Snyder. Uh, thank you for taking my question. So LEDs are fabricated in Durham where you also manufacture silicon carbide wafers and devices. With the earnout here over the four quarters post closing, uh, how rapidly will floor space be freed up in Durham? And with this additional space, do you expect to add more device production capacity or silicon carbide crystal growth machines? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take a shot at it. Neil, if you want to add any color, feel free to. Um, basically we have a, a supply agreement with, uh, with smart um, that mirrors what we were going to be doing internally in terms of freeing up the floor space and so forth for the LED business. So, this really doesn't change that. Um, what it does is it, it helps us as a, as a uh, company focus a lot more of our energy on uh, growing the Wolfspeed business, and the LED team together with Smart will be uh, focusing on um, the outsourcing strategy and putting energy into the outsourcing strategy of moving out of that, um, out of that facility. So it doesn't change it per se but it does have a lot more focused energy from uh, the LED team and SMART on that one aspect while we're focused on moving in um, the Wolfspeed product and especially the the power device product into the Durham factory. Neil, I don't know if you want to add any additional color to that or not.
3: No, I think that's right. I think that's what makes this, uh, you know, appealing for us is that we're, you know, essentially on the same trajectory in terms of the outsourcing plan we've had. And we think the, uh, you know, the team at Smart will be absolutely focused on, uh, you know, managing that as well and creates a great synergy for us. So um, there's a lot of aspects of this deal you can look at, but I think that synergy in terms of, you know, production, which I think helps them out from a, you know, certainly from a margin standpoint, as we thought about the LED business, um, you know, but certainly helps us from a capacity standpoint as we continue to, uh, you know, focus on low speed.
0: Thank you. And our next question comes from Craig Irwin of Roth Capital Partners. Your line is now open.
2: Hi. Uh, good morning, and thanks for taking my questions. Um, so,
4: Greg, you, you've been very clear. pipelines is going to stay north of ten billion post disposal. Uh, but the last time you gave us uh, approximate pipeline for the lighting business,
1: I guess it was nineteen, when it was uh, around one point eight billion. Can you update us uh, whether or not the uh, lighting pipeline has grown over the last
4: uh, over the last year um, so, you know can we can we sort of read into this that uh, there's been strong growth in, uh, in 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 pipeline
2: for will speed to uh, to make up that difference to to get to the 10 billion that you've given us Yeah I, I you know Craig thanks for the question I can't give you the exact numbers because I'm not staring at them what I will tell you is the the LED pipeline did grow over the last year. The Wolf Speed pipeline grew substantially faster. And what happened in this, this past quarter is that the, the Wolf Speed business grew, uh, very substantially faster. We pulled in a lot of, um, of good opportunity there. So it's, um, so the, uh, so again, LED or lighting, as you would call it, the, the lighting LED, um, Opportunity has grown over the year. I can't give you the exact numbers. I, I will tell you the, the will speed opportunity has grown substantially faster. And recall, Craig, part of this is as well, um, the joint, um, program we have with Aero Electronics. We did a, um, a uh, exclusive new product launch with Aero on our 650 volt, um, MOSFET. And they basically knocked it out of the park in terms of, uh, of uh, project identification, opportunity identification, uh, they've won opportunities in something on the order of 44, I think, uh, different countries. Many of those countries, in fact, ha- at least half of those countries, uh, we don't even have employees. So, you know, having a partnership with somebody that has such a substantial, you know, footprint in the market has really been a big uh, positive for us. The Aero- so, you know, on top of the 650. You know, the number I mentioned in, in the prepared remarks was they've identified two billion dollars worth of WolfSpeed opportunity for us, and uh, you know that's it's it's a it's a substantial benefit for us to have that partnership.
0: Thank you. And our next question comes from Gary Mobley of Wells Fargo Securities. Your line is now open.
1: Good morning, everybody. Thanks for taking my question, and let me extend my congratulations on this um, on this monumental move. I wanted to uh, ask a two-part question, and uh, and so I'm curious to know what the uh, contractual manufacturing support might be for Cree uh, to SMART in the uh, at least the first few quarters uh, post-investiture, and specifically, what are the milestones for the final $125 million payment? Thank you. Yeah, I can hit
2: the first one, and Neil, if you want to hit the second one, Um, but – you know in terms of the uh the manufacturing agreement basically it's it's the um, plan that we had internally with our led term team in terms of uh producing product in house and uh blending that with a move to um, external manufacturing i don't want to give out the exact numbers but it basically doesn't change that plan The team is working very hard and has made really good progress in terms of moving product from a silicon carbide substrate to a sapphire substrate. That was a very important first step because that what that allowed us to do then is to explore going to a fabulous model for our LED business. So really good progress from the team on that. Um, We will have a a supply agreement with them um, that – Again, mirrors and matches what our plan was for increasing our capacity in that Durham fab with Wolf's Feet as we move, um, as we move the product out of, uh, uh, off of uh, silicon carbide and, and onto outsourcing from an LED perspective. And, and Neil, if you want to hit just the, the, uh, the earnout uh, mechanism.
3: Yeah, yeah, sure. And on the earnout, you know, essentially what's going to happen here is for the, for the first four quarters post close, um, there'll be an earnout that's based on kind of, you know, um, execution on you know, revenue and gross margin over that period. At the end of that period, that'll transition, that'll be valued and then transition into a, uh, into a three-year note. And, uh, you know, obviously that's something we've been focused on and, and uh, you know, the team at Smart Picks of the Business that's something they'll be focused on as well. And as we get closer to the end of the earnout period, we'll, you know, we'll give you an update on that.
0: Thank you. And our next question comes from Colin Rush of Oppenheimer, your line is not open.
3: Uh, thanks so much, guys. Um, could you talk a little bit about um, the, the pipeline and, and what you're going to need to do from a product perspective in terms of evolving and expanding uh, the offerings you currently have in the market to really address that, that full pipeline?
2: I think from a from a pipeline perspective, um, we've got $10 billion worth of opportunity, a large amount of that, probably 50% of that is automotive. Um, another big chunk of that is industrial-type products. The the industrial-type uh, products are going to be um, – uh, we're going to be going after those with a, a series of standard parts that we have. And then the, the automotive parts, products are a combination of standard parts and parts that are I would call it semi-customized for, for a customer's particular application. It might be a certain um, way we, uh, you know, have the pinouts or, you know, a different uh, package that we deliver the product in and so forth. Um, but basically we've got a, a pretty uh, healthy new product uh, development pipeline that's um, in pretty good shape, I would say. We've got a tremendous opportunity pipeline, which is in great shape. and um, And we're – we're translating that into design ends. And again, just to reiterate, 400 million two quarters ago, 600 million last quarter, both at the company level and over $600 million this past quarter, Q1 from a, uh, just from a Wolf Street perspective. So continuing to drive momentum there. Now there's no sort of dropping the football at the five yard line. We, we realize that uh, we've got to keep, you know, driving this. So. Every day, we're working really hard to get uh, uh, products out the door, to get um, customers converted from a design opportunity to a design in, and uh, you know we're going to continue that, uh, you know, as we as we lead this transition from silicon carbide, from silicon to silicon carbide.
0: Thank you. And our next question comes from Harsh Kumar of Piper Sandler. Your line now open.
1: Yeah. Hey, guys. Congratulations. Sounds like a really good deal. I just had a uh, couple of questions. One quick clarification. So I take it from all the commentary that the 125 million earnout is is on top of the 300 million. I just want to be clear about that. And then my main question was that um, historically, Greg, when I've seen the automotive wins, you know, you talked about 400 million, 600 million, and more than that in one queue. Typically, there's a large supplier. There's a main supplier that has, you know, 60% plus of the volume, maybe even up to 80%. Is that Cree for these wins, um, or better still, are these typically so, are these mostly sold source for you? Uh,
2: so okay. th- two things. One is the the earnout isn't is the 300 million dollars is inclusive of the earnout, so that it is not in addition to it is inclusive of the earnout. So just to clarify that. Um, and then in terms of the design ends, typically uh, the, the way the auto industry works is uh, they definitely prefer to have two sources, but when they, when they give an initial award, they give the initial award to a single supplier. And so I, I can't tell you exactly 100% of, of everything we've been awarded is we are that single supplier. I do think that uh, the vast majority of what we've been awarded Is fits that description of we are the first and the single supplier at this point, and then at some point they'd probably bring somebody else on. And you're right, it is sort of an 80-20, typically it's an 80-20, maybe a 70-30 type uh, scenario where, you know, the main supplier uh, does most of the business and the the other one is uh, really just uh, for supply continuity, uh, from a supply continuity perspective.
0: Thank you. And our next question comes from David O'Connor of Exane B&P Paribas.
1: Your line's open. Great. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, congratulations on the deal. Uh, maybe a quick one from my side, Greg. On the uh, the $10 billion pipeline again, um, you mentioned over half of that is automotive. What is the RF and the industrial component of that, please. And then maybe um, just for Neil, on the um, the cost increase for FY21, is that gradual through the year or does that begin pretty much immediately? Thank you.
2: Thanks for the question. I don't have that, that slide or that, that information on me right now, so I can't tell you exactly. What I think what we could do is during our earnings call, we can maybe give everyone an update as to roughly what that is. What I would tell you is... Um, Half of it's automotive. Um, we've got a nice industrial pipeline, which is uh, being filled out by, by Arrow. We've got some opportunity in, in RF as well. So I think, uh, as opposed to just sort of winging it, I think we'll just hold that for, um, when we give our, our, um, update here, uh,
3: next week. Thank you.
0: And then, Later, John.
3: Go ahead, Neil. Sorry, there was a second uh, question there, I think, David, just on the uh, on the cost increase for 21. And um, I think what you're referring to is, is, the, is the OpEx levels. And what we said in the prepared remarks there was about 10 to $15 million lower OpEx will happen, uh, you know, you know as, we, as we move forward. And that will continue to accrete over the year, um, you know, modestly as we kind of get out to the end of the year. And, again, that's really about that's the same bull speed kind of investment plan we had for R&D investment and sales and marketing investment. Uh, that's required to kind of meet the need in the market. So you can kind of think out as a gradual increase as we move throughout the year.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, this does conclude our question and answer session. I would now like to turn the conference back over to Greg Lowe for any closing remarks.
2: Well, thanks everybody for your participation today. We appreciate it, and we look forward to uh, to updating you in our next earnings call. Thank you very much.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.